0: Hi, I'm referee Mark Fralick. Thanks for joining us for episode 15 of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. My guest today is Wayne Horsley of the Plains, Ohio, a town of a little more than 3,000 in southeast Ohio and Athens County. Wayne is one of those guys who just loves sports and high school athletics, and I think he will offer Quite a unique perspective, something that I don't believe you've heard before on this podcast, and I'll tell you why here in a minute. He's been a football, baseball, and softball official for 11 years, and a basketball official for four years. He's worked six state finals and semifinals in football, and he's now working his way up in basketball. He was a head varsity or assistant varsity basketball coach for 15 years, and was an assistant or head varsity football coach for 11 years. The part I was talking about earlier about the unique perspective comes for the last 20 years, he has been a district or regional tournament manager in the Southwest District for the Southeast Ohio District Athletic Board and the Ohio High School Athletic Association. So in those 20 years, that's accumulated more than 500 games that he's been able to see officials uh, through through those uh, 20 years. He's a member of the Portsmouth Football Officials Association, the Portsmouth Baseball and Softball Umpires Association, and the Jackson Basketball Officials Association, all in Southeast Ohio. You know, this podcast is possible week in and week out because of the support from our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC, and its owner, fellow basketball official and friend, Matt Kearns. I would ask just that you please visit pq-2.com and learn a little bit more about PQ2, LLC. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving yesterday and uh, maybe you'll be celebrating this weekend as well. So either with your family or in the confines of your home due to the coronavirus uh, or maybe you'll be eating a meal somewhere else. Either way, I would just encourage you to take some time, maybe grab a piece of paper or a pen and write down, not type, write down a list of what you're thankful for this year. Like, I am thankful for my family, or I'm thankful for the many friends I've made through high school basketball officiating. Seriously, I think if you do this, you will not regret making this list and doing a little self-reflection. And if you're thankful for this podcast, go to anchor.fm backslash mark hyphen Freilich and click on the support button. And you can make a one-time gift or you can utilize the monthly option. Either way, I just appreciate any support that you can offer to help keep this podcast going. And with that, we are going to go on our way to listen to Wayne Horsley. I just certainly hope you enjoy the show. Okay, Wayne, I I think you'll offer an interesting perspective just from the brief conversation that we've had uh, from a coach's standpoint, an official's standpoint, and really maybe even a site manager's perspective as well. So I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Mark.
0: We'll talk about Uh, high school basketball from both an official's point of view and a coach's point of view throughout the podcast. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the coronavirus, because that's kind of capturing everybody's attention now. I, I, you know, we've had some scrimmages canceled. I I know up here where I'm located in Northwest Ohio, we've had some games postponed as well. So I want to talk a little bit about that. How are you adjusting this year to the virus on the basketball floor? And what kind of things have you noticed uh, in any scrimmages that you've had?
1: Well, you know, Mark, that's an interesting question because I have, I have for the last 20 years served as the uh, district and regional tournament manager for the Ohio High School Athletic Association and Southeast District Athletic Board, and, you know, I was right there on the front lines last year on March 12th when we canceled everything, and, you know, the I, I was had my D4 regional tournaments, and it was just everything as it had been. Had 5,000 people in the house, had two great games um middle of that night i got a phone call that you know we're going to uh, institute these uh changes uh regarding fans and on the fly me and my staff had to come up with uh basically how we we're going to deal with parents only and each kid getting four and then by the end of that night you know 12 o'clock the next day on friday morning or thursday morning i'm I, I get uh, get the phone call that we're, we're totally canceled. That was my D2 night. And so, you know, I, I, I felt the heartbreak. I, I've dealt with all these coaches. I've been in constant communication. And, you know, that was really tough. Um, it was really tough. But at the time when the NBA canceled uh, the Denver game, uh, Friday morning I was I was actually getting ready to watch the Mid-American Conference, Ohio University Bobcats, um, go at it before I got in swimming for – for my thursday night games and they got canceled and so you know it it, kind of hits you then this is real and um we go throughout the the spring there's no spring sports i baseball softball umpire district regional term manager in baseball um and then you get into football and and you're kind of just holding your breath see what's going to happen uh basketball it's uh it appears it's going to be like fall sports uh we're intent that we're going to let the kids get to play what the fan participation is going to be like and and then maybe certain things on the rules end or the procedural end the administrative end are going to be different you know, just today we got the 10 o'clock curfew thing out today which i know every basketball official hopes and prays that their games over before 10 o'clock
0: <laughs> exactly
1: uh, it's either really exciting or a lot of bad things happen during that <laughs> night so um I think the most important thing to keep in perspective here is we're providing an opportunity for the kids to still get to compete. I know when I coached, one of the things I tried to preach on my kids was to give everything you had because you never know when tomorrow is really the last day. And, you know, for 19 years, when I said that, I, you know, I I was kind of like, Oh, you may get hurt. I never thought it may be a pandemic that we're going to shut the world down and you know your senior year in all respects are totally changed from any experiences that any of us had when we were that age
0: have you had any scrimmages this year on the basketball floor
1: i I have and uh, i've had two scrimmages and i i got one of my first girls game in last night and I've got some high university commitments all the way through this week as I do NCAA instant replay in football and basketball. So I'm not going to hit the hit the hardwood again until uh, next Monday evening.
0: Oh, you're busy then. That's uh, quite a schedule you have.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it keeps me hopping.
0: <laughs> so on the basketball floor, are you, um, are you doing the regular whistle? Are you using the electronic whistle? What kind of things are a mask, a no mask? What kind of things are we looking at?
1: Well, I'd, I'd take the mask out. Uh, the football, same as basketball, i take the mask out until we, uh, till we tip it off. i take it off. Uh, then uh, any timeouts, 30-second, 60-second timeout, i put it back on. Um, I do believe, for the most part, if you officiate effectively, you're keeping social distancing. Um, you know, most times, I know in football, we should stay five yards from piles, basketball, you know we don't want to get too too tight to the action because every time we get too close we we lose our field of vision and we've got a dead ball officiate as well as live ball officiate
0: well before we go into the pregame, let's hear from our major sponsor pq2 llc and its owner and fellow basketball official matt kearns
2: hey ref if your day job requires engineering thermoplastics Connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com.
0: So in our pregame, um, we talk a little bit, this is kind of like the get to know you part uh, of the of the podcast, which is really uh, just like a pregame. When when we meet somebody we don't know, we sit down and get to know them a little bit and kind of the things they do on the basketball floor. So uh, we know that, that you were a, a head basketball coach uh, at some point and, and also a head football coach. So talk to us a little bit about your uh, coaching career.
1: Well, you know, when I when I graduated high school, which, which is interesting because when I graduated high school, I always knew I wanted to be a coach. And the moment I graduated, I um, got my fishing license in basketball, baseball, softball, and um, spent a year and a half at Shawnee State University in Portsmouth. And I went to Ohio University. First day I walked on campus, I talked to the head football coach, Tom Lichtenberg, who was in, in his first year and i got started working football programs. so i basically did two falls of football and i retired my license uh from there working in the division one athletics uh, i ended up actually being on scholarship a unique story but um i went into coaching and and you know ironically i, I never I never in this world thought i would ever coach or be involved with basketball and I've got my first interview, Tom Lichtenberg, head coach High University, sets this up. And I go in there and it's social studies and it's assistant football coach. And I go in this interview and there's the an assistant basketball coach. And he's like, uh, whoever gets hired for this also gonna be the assistant versus basketball coach. They the "What you know about basketball? And I swallowed really hard. And I said, <laughs> not a whole lot. <laughs> I said, but I'll tell you this, it's sports, it's athletics. I said, you bend your ankles, your knees, and your hips. It's all about moving laterally. It's all about playing hard, and I'll do whatever the coach tells me to do. Before I got home from the interview, back in the old answering machine days, I had a uh, a voice uh, message on my answering machine said, "Be at be at summer camp uh, Monday at ten o'clock."
2: <laughs>
1: and, and and the rest it, it's really went it's really went uh, in a wild direction with basketball from there. Um, I spent six years as a, a assistant foot, varsity football coach, assistant varsity basketball coach. And, and I did a lot of hours, but I did that mainly because I truly believe in multi-sport athletes, mm-hmm. same as I believe in multi-sport officials. And I wanted to be a model for what I, you know, when I'm trying to keep a kid out for basketball or get a kid out for football that played basketball and is a really good athlete, I tried to model that, you know, hey, we can do this. We we can do both, and then you know I modeled that by putting my time in, and I left uh, left coaching in 2000 went to Ohio Athletics as a as assistant athletic director in charge of athletic equipment, and um, I wanted to keep in it, so I started coaching freshman basketball at Athens High School. 2007 I left Ohio Athletics for the second time and um, went to Athens High School. And I ended up becoming the girls' varsity basketball coach. And I did that for eight years, had tremendous success. And during that time, I was also the tournament manager uh, at the Convocation Center for all the district and regional tournaments. And, And it was really a blessing because through all those relationships, I just became a better coach. And I laid the groundwork to be a good official.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's quite a journey that you've had there. Uh, <laughs> that's taken it from from working in athletics into coaching, now into officiating. Um, talk a little bit about how and why you decided to go into basketball officiating then.
1: <laughs> okay, so again, when I got back into, into football officiating, I took, ironically, I took 21 years off from when I retired my license when I got my license back. I retired my license at, uh, I think, the age of 20. Mm -hmm. I got them back at 41. Wow. I retired my baseball license at 24. I got them back 21 years later at the age of 45. Um, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would ever do basketball. Matter of fact, I used to comment to my basketball buddies that you guys are crazy. (laughs) You're absolutely stupid because this is not fun. And, and I gained that from my years on the bench, my years running tournaments. Um, three and a half years ago, four years ago, something changed. I was elected to the um, Southeast District Athletic Board, and one of the first things that I personally wanted to do was see an official's observation program like some other districts have had to try to make officiating better in the Southeast District and give an observation, give feedback, on par with what Denny Morris and the state is doing at the regional and state level because so many of our officials, and I watched this as the tournament manager in the Southeast District, good officials, they get to the regional, and the first time they're ever observed or evaluated is in a regional tournament. Mm -hmm. And and I know in football, you know, we do that a little bit differently. And in basketball, you know, football is ran by the state basketball is ran by the district board. So one of my first pushes was to start an observation program here in the Southeast district. And I'm the only person on the district board at that time that had any officiating experience at all. And I'm like, you know, I probably need to go get a license since I'm going to head this up. Not, I'm not the observer. I'm not the evaluator, but I oversee the program and I felt like I just – I need to understand what a basketball official really feels like, what they go through. And so I went, joined John Darrow's class, Hall of Fame official, great football official, great high school basketball official. uh, Took his class, had a state championship game that year in football. So, you know, my my time in, in November and December was split between those two. And I went out that year, I got a license, and I swear I had zero intention of ever working a game. Had none. And ironically, I ended up getting forced into emergency duty, and I had a lot of fun. And I worked with a bunch of guys that I'd already known through coaching, through being the tournament manager and hosting these guys and being a football official with them. And it was just so much fun. I'm like, so it went from something that I, I had no intention of actually ever pursuing to something I'm really having a lot of fun with today.
2: Let's
0: talk about that first game that you that you did. Tell me a little bit about it and some of the feelings. You, you wanted to know what a, an official feels like during a game. What kind of feelings did you experience in that first game?
1: All right, well, so, so in full disclosure, my first ever basketball game, and when I say it was an emergency, was an emergency, um, called a duty, and it was a boys varsity game. Wow. I, again, it was right before Christmas. I did take a junior high game for January. Mm-hmm. And I went ahead, I, I drove up to Fleming's, I got my stuff. And I was going to meet some friends of mine: Chad Jenkins, um, Rick Castler, They're on my varsity football crew, and Kevin Swartzel. Um, Kevin Swartzel, though, was still in the middle of his Big Ten football season, and he was supposed to meet everybody. We're just all going to meet in Chillicothe and ride over to uh, North Adams High School. And I get there. Well, Kevin was working to stay shaping in football uh high state scrimmage before their bowl games that scrimmage got moved to later and chad and Rick said you get your stuff this up sure do and they said good you're working tonight well i thought (laughs) they're kidding with me yep we show up i was working Uh, i was not very happy (laughs) but it was a situation where you know at five o'clock on a on a saturday afternoon their partner bailed uh they got permission and I went out and worked, and I will tell you this: the first dead ball, I hit my whistle and I put my hands over my head and I stopped the clock two times.
0: <laughs> Proper football mechanics, right?
1: I, I, I tell you what, uh, Bruce Maurer would have been very proud. I, I stopped that. I stopped that clock like a champ two times. Slow over my head, all the calm and patience in the world, and then I'm like, hmm, that's not right. <laughs> Um, you know, I was fortunate the, the coaches at North Adams and, uh, at Fairfield, they, they both knew me, that they, they both understood, uh, everybody understood going to this game, that this guy was not only a rookie, but like, he was really a rookie. And, um, uh, I, I will say this, that was the worst thing that happened to me in that game. And I had a lot of fun.
0: Well, that, that's great because that probably helped you, um, continue to keep that excitement. Um, as you went, did they make you toss?
1: No, no, they didn't make me toss. They tried to make me toss, but that was going to be a fist fight in the locker room and I won that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us some, some of the lessons that, uh, you know, you consider yourself a newbie still at four years in basketball, but tell us some of the lessons that you've learned in officiating earlier in your career that have impacted you uh, to this day.
1: Well... You know, and I think that's a great question. And looking over the questions you provided, I, I think this answer comes up several different times. But one of the biggest lessons I have, and I, I really draw on this as a coach, and that's communication. I really have tried from day one as an official to communicate with coaches the way I would want officials to communicate with me. And I think, and, and you know, since then, you know, today I work in the uh, Mountain East Athletic Conference in football with Gene Sterator. I could listen to that man talk football all day long. Mm. And, and I started out with the right concept, and he constantly talks to us about communication and talking about coaches and how to communicate with coaches. And, and I think that's something that, that I see so many young people just get wrong. I've even worked with young people where I've had to tell them, you know, where they've had a bad experience with a coach, you know, they're not putting up with this or that. And and I just said, Hey, hold on. That's the head coach. The head coach has a right to talk to you. Uh, they have a right to be upset. Sometimes we understand they're upset just because, you know, nothing's working right for them. And they just got to find an outlet. Yes. There's times where there's a line and it's crossed, but for the most part, let's communicate with coaches. The other thing, uh, Max Schwarzel, who's an Athens resident, uh, his son's Kevin Schwarzel's in the big 10 now and back judge, a great high school basketball official, probably one of the better ones out there. Um, g- tremendous respect for Max. And when I first started in this, Max told me, let your eyes digest or let your mind digest what your eyes have seen. Hmm. And, Starting in football, kind of to me helped me in basketball because basketball is so much faster. That's one thing I, I learned real quick going from football to basketball. But you can be slow and you can be right, mm-hmm. and I would better, rather be slow and right than fast and wrong. Correct. And, and those are those are two things that have pretty much always stuck with me.
0: Well, those are two excellent things that I hope a lot of officials can take from this wonderful pregame that we just had. So we are going to head to the first quarter. And uh, before we get there, Matt Kearns is going to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, PQ2 LLC.
2: Hey, ref. This is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio, and I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref! Click on www.pq-2.com.
0: The first quarter we talk a little bit about, uh, again, what you had mentioned is the effectiveness of communications and its effect on coaching, on coaches. And so I think it's a, it's a great segue that you talked about earlier in our pregame uh, into this first quarter. So let me ask you uh, a little bit, what's been some of the most beneficial things that have worked for you in dealing with coaches in your four years of officiating?
1: Well, I think, one, again, I, I try to approach every coach as I would want them, you know, as I would want to have been approached. And and one's listen to them. Two is just be honest with them. You know, and I think especially in in, in any sport is true, I think basketball may even be sometimes more true because the action's so fast. We may have a call that 30 seconds later, we don't love. And, and, you know, I I try to make all my calls, do I like it or do I love it? I try to put them in those hoppers. Hmm. And I've had a basketball call where, you know what, maybe by the time I report it and maybe by the time I get over rotated back over that coach, I'm just on the liking it stage. Coach gives me his view, and, and you know, if, I, if I'm just liking it, I just may be honest with him, so, Coach, you may be right. I very well may have missed that one. That goes miles. Yep. Now, you can't use that seven times in a game. That's true. But <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it's truly there, at the same time, I've had one, I, you know, I have put out I love it, Hopper. And I know that one's big and it's going to be on film and and coaches look, I'm sorry, I don't see it that way. Um, you know, you'll see on film, this is what I have, but my approach is honest and communication. Let them listen you know, listen to them, let them vent a little bit as long as they're within the parameters of, you know, respectability. And I, I think at the end of the day, you gain more respect with a coach with that than you do anything else. I, I know when I was a coach, and I could get a technical foul. I, I, could, I could buy him the best of anybody. Um, don't talk to me. That would set me off. And, and some of the, the great coaches that I've watched over the years from all over Ohio that comes to the Convocation Center, they all want the same thing. They all want to have communication.
0: What about uh, in dealing with some of your former coaches that you uh, competed against? Are you now officiating those games with those uh, same coaches?
1: I, I, have, I have done quite a few on the boys' side and the girls' side. And, you know, that's an interesting dynamic. Um, I'll bet. But I'll tell you this. I, 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 tried to, I tried to officiate the same way I tried to coach. And that's with integrity. And, and I'm not saying officials don't have integrity. Um, but as coaches, you know, we, we always think that other guy's cheating. We always think that other guy's trying to get that leg up somewhere. Um, I always tried to be very personable. I always tried to have exhibit a great deal of sportsmanship. So I actually find that officiating people that I've worked with and coached against to be a little bit easier because I've got that street street cred with them. Yeah, it ain't any different when, when you see young officials today. And I try to tell young officials with this: um, sometimes until you actually can grow a beard, I'm not saying you should officiate with a beard, but until you they can actually tell you really shave, uh, they're going to come to you because they think they can intimidate you. They think they may be able to buy something from you. And uh, I think that's the nature of beast. That, that's that's uh, human nature to begin with. And so officiating gets easier as you get older. Officiating's a little easier when you have that outside relationship with coaches. Any- and I will se- segue this, yep. and, uh, and not, not, to, not to interrupt you, but I'll, yep. I'll segue this to, to officials in any sport. You get a chance to work high school summer stuff, that's a great time to build relationship with coaches because it's non, I don't want to say it's non-competitive, but we're not hanging banners on gyms. You know, we're not advancing to, you know, Columbus. We're not advancing to the Convocation Center or Dayton or the Canton Civic Center. We're actually out there. That's the time to get to know people. And, and, and coaches and officials, so many times we have this adversary view of each other when we start. As many of them as we can get out and know and, and, and get to see as people, them see you as a person you see them as a person we have a whole different retros, you know perspective of the game
0: yeah that's so true and and uh, in looking back at your coaching career and and in the uh and four years of officiating is there any specific encounter you've had either with an official or a coach that uh you'd like to share with the, this group as far as uh Uh, maybe an encounter that might help these uh, officials uh, uh, learn something from uh, an experience of yours?
1: You know, that's a, that's a great question. And and it's a tough question, um, Mark. and, And I appreciate you for asking that one. Probably those toughest situations have been on the tournament manager side of things.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Where, manager, first off, I have a duty and a responsibility to read the rule book, to read the manual. And I am, at the end of the day, the ultimate responsibility of the administration of the contest. I have had two instances, three instances in 20 years. One instance, Hank Zaborniak was head of officiating, and I've got a regional tournament, I've got Two of my three officials, I've got my alderman, alternate there, they're dressed, are ready to go. I do not have my third official. Mm. Trying to get hold of him, call Henry, what should we do? Alternate's dressed, we hit the 20-minute mark, alternate's out on the court, the official shows up. I automatically suspected something was up with this. It was at the girls' State Tournament. Hanging out with friends. That's basically what he told me. I had other feelings on this, and I sat the guy down.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Put the alternate out there in his place.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Very tough decision, very traumatic, but, you know, there's a lot of lessons to be said in that. And, And one, when we accept a contract, especially when you're talking about a regional boys' final, that comes first. Not hanging out with our friends at the girls' state tournament, not doing this or that, because to those communities, and I've been there, I, I've been fortunate enough to be in a regional final. Uh, I understand the importance as a coach. I, I I played in the state semifinal in football in 1985. I understand the importance of that as players. We can't have officials that take those situations for granted. Every game's a big game. It matters to somebody to the player the coach their family so we owe that to them i've also had unfortunately two instances where we had violations in uniform code and people did not want to follow things because they think oh we're in the regional or we're in a state tournament and they don't really matter about that these are not really rules or regulations they want to you know, want to, want to, want us to enforce. Um, I'm of the firm belief that we follow those regulations. And uh, none of those three ended up well. Uh, Unfortunately, two of those were with with people that I call friends. But at the end of the day, I had jobs to do and and things, you know, it it just, it was unfortunate.
0: That puts the end to our first quarter. And we are gonna go to the second quarter, talk about the players on the floor and our communication as officials with them. So we will be
2: right back. Hey ref, objectivity, integrity, and experience. All hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customer's successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions and exponential results. PQ2 LLC.
0: So the second quarter begins and we talk about player and communication players and communication. So um what can you say about working with the players that's helped you most in communicating with them?
1: Well, you know, I'm not one that really jokes around and plays around with them a whole lot. Um, I do. And that, that's just not my style. I, I feel like I'm, the, I'm that karma guy. I'm, the, I'm that guy that if, if I go playing around making jokes, something's going to come back and bite me where i got to be serious. I try to be upfront. The biggest thing I try to do is is be positive with players. I I try to acknowledge them when they make good plays. I try to acknowledge them when they make, uh, you know, when they make nice hustle plays and encourage them when they, especially when they they do uh, acts of good sportsmanship and and try to build upon that. Uh, I I try to let it be known really early. Um, They're going to play, their coaches are going to coach, and we're going to officiate.
0: How about some of the times that you're proactive, proactively officiating, um, trying to utilize your voice to um, keep the flow going in the game? Do you use that quite a bit?
1: Well, if, we, if we've got a couple people banging in the post, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, definitely going to take my whistle out, and definitely going to try to uh, to make sure things are heard. I, I think the biggest aspect of, of that is when you've got that loose ball situation, or you've got that. Potential jump ball situation, and and uh, things happen so fast, and you hit that whistle, and as soon as I hit that whistle, I immediately will holler. You know, I got a jump ball. It's black, and maybe I'll follow it up with knock it off or it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a loud person. I, 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 I my, my voice always tend to be somewhat authoritative, so I, I actually feel like I benefit somewhat from that. But I have absolutely, and if they get too rough and, and you don't come out with a foul, just bring them right together and just let them know. And I, I tend to do it, and I'm not sure this is necessarily right. So when I do it, their coaches know that we're done. That's their freebie. We're done, not doing this anymore, and you know, good coaches take care of that from there. And good teammates take care of that from there.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Yep, no doubt. So let's give you a situation. You've got a block charge situation. The player that's uh, taken the charge didn't like your call. Uh, So he jumps up and kind of aggressively makes a little bit of a scene. Are you keeping an eye on that player? Are you talking to him at all? Or are you just coming out and popping the tee right away?
1: Well, you know. That's, that's that's somewhat of a loaded question. Cause every situation <laughs> is a little bit different. Game flow a little bit different. Basket sports are a little bit different. Basketball, obviously, is a little closer. Um, you're going to try to get on that with your voice. You're going to try to close that situation down anytime there's contact and bodies going down. If, if you've got two other guys that should be dead ball officiating um, and, and keeping that space. If you've got to get in there between people for whatever the agitation is, that's one thing. Um, you know, if it's just a quick hands, that's probably definitely, we want to get into to the coach as soon as possible before he says something else. Um, if they're giving us hands and they're being boisterous with that, maybe give them one and then, you know, we're going to have to get that under control. You know, so th- as Gene likes to tell us, we're the one that's got the bullets in our gun.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: And we've got to understand we don't need to just draw it in any instance. We don't need to be quick with the trigger because during the game, we're the only one that's really got the authority. Yeah. So don't come out too hard with it, but make sure everybody knows who is in control.
0: Absolutely. Great point. Great point. And that's a good way to head to our halftime. So the second quarter ends. We're at halftime. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll head to the third and fourth quarters, followed by the post game and the lighthearted five quick decisions. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, Ref. This is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co official, Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night.
0: Welcome back for the third quarter. In the third quarter, we talk about officials, communications, crew dynamics. But before we get to the questions, Matt Kearns and PQ2 LLC want to tell you this.
2: Hey, Ref, Rule 1, Section A, Article 3 in the Project Management Rulebook says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application make pq2 llc part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application call 330-888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner matt kearns
0: so our third quarter begins. We talk about officials, the communications involved with the the crew and, and crew dynamics. So talk a little bit about, Wayne, um, what officials can do to improve that crew cohesiveness throughout the game, not just uh, before the game, but, you know, that that improvement of, of the crew can continue throughout the game, whether it comes at halftime or even during the timeouts. Would you agree?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. And, and, you know, something that I'm a big fan of, and and I think where a lot of this starts is is in local chapter meetings and associations and in around areas where, you know, we we try to work to some type of standardized communication and some type of standardized expectations. So when you go in, you, you kind of have a built in trust that this person's heard some of the same stuff I've heard. And I, I think that's a, a good start with that. Um, I've been fortunate enough that, you know, so many of the people I've, I've worked with, I've known. Uh, very few people have I taken a floor of the field with that I've not met in either my coaching and they've been officials or maybe in the tournament manager and hosting them that I haven't had some type of relationship with already. So, so that's been really easy. Um the best crews I've worked with have always had an authoritative figure, uh, an alpha. But but I've been fortunate enough that those alphas and I think this is the most important part of any crew is nobody domineers. Um there's somebody that takes charge, but there's somebody that also allows communication to flow and and doesn't intimidate people from asking questions. And and I think that the, the that's probably the biggest thing uh some of the crews and things i've seen the the the, that have had the least success or maybe even the most problems or or people who discourage communication Hmm. and and we've got to have communication and it's got to come from every part on the crew And, and i i really said especially if you're a newbie you know uh Sometimes it's easy to intimidate those people. When you have a new person or a young person that, that you're working with, it, I think it's important to to enfranchise them into the crew, and, and make them understand that they are, you know, our success is going to be as important as their success in any given contest. If that makes sense.
0: No. Oh, yeah, absolutely, it does. And and you know, it's interesting to me that you've got the experience as a veteran official with tournament experience and tournament success in football, but yet not in basketball as of yet, because you, like you mentioned, you've been doing it for four years and at times you consider yourself a newbie, but what have you learned about um, basketball officiating and, and its officials? Is there anything that's different about basketball officiating with some of as, as opposed to, Uh, as opposed to maybe football or baseball or softball?
1: You know, I really don't think so. And then something I've I've found, because I brought a couple, you know, football guys into the fold that have officiated basketball. Uh, I think once you learn how to officiate any sport, I think the carryover is pretty easy. I think that, the fundamentals are all the same. You know, the, um, the basics are all there. There's just, it's just like playing. You know, if you're an athlete, you can play a sport. You can play any sport. You may have to work a little harder at some than others. And I think that that is really a, a big basics with that.
0: So when you're working a varsity game and and you're uh, you're working maybe with a a younger official than yourself um, and then maybe you have a veteran involved, do you find yourself um, trying to mentor the young official yet still trying to listen to the uh, veteran? (laughs)
1: Well, you know, it's like in basketball uh, and football. I, I, I love to work with the younger guys. In basketball, I, I found myself, and I always try to work with, with veteran officials, guys that have you know, really been there and done that. Um, I'm not much for helping the younger guy in the ins and outs of the basketball officiating, because I'm still trying to figure that one myself. Mm-hmm. But the, the things like the communication aspect and how you carry yourself and your approach to the game – Uh, especially in in tight situations. I think that's where my overall experience is beneficial to not only me and the sport of basketball, but the younger guys in basketball.
0: You know, that's interesting because the conversation I had with Coach Dave Fralick a few weeks ago, I I asked him this question, and I'll ask you uh, the same thing. When you were coaching um, and you noticed some of the officials coming in for the varsity game, did you – Really pay attention to that quite a bit on how they came to approach this game uh, at all, or or did you just not worry about that and and you kind of knew who was on the game?
1: You know, there's stages in life as a coach, like there's stages in life as an official. Uh, when I was a younger coach, yeah, I, I worried about who was going to walk in that gym. Uh, but then as as I became more confident and as as I gained more of an understanding of really what the official's role in a game is and what my role in a game is as a coach. Um, I became a better coach because of that. And, you know, my message to my kids was you adjust to the game. You know, they're the constant. We're the ones that we're the variables. We're the ones that have to adjust. Um, Always, even when I was younger and and, then probably more of a, an idiot as a as a coach, <laughs> you know the kids had to focus on me. The only person who was ever allowed to get a technical foul, and I never in 19 years had a had a player get a technical foul was me. Uh, so I wanted that that deflection to come come to me. Then in the mid stage and the later stage, I learned to understand that it's about that relationship, and and you learn some people, you know, you can talk to more than others. Some will not talk to you. Some are going to have great rapport with you. And, and you just you just kind of feed off of that. And I think the same thing as, as officials, but I think the biggest thing with that is we have to have an open mind. I can have you ten times on a game. Eight games may go great, and we may have a real problem in one, and I can't let the fact that, you know, this because, I mean, games are fluid. I mean, we all know this one game can be the easiest game in the world to play, coach, or officiate, and the next one may just be a mess, and it's nobody's fault. Right. And, and I can't allow the fact that, oh, you know, hey, well, we had him last time, we lost, or we're in trouble. That, 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 that doesn't work, and that's just, you know, that that's a loser's mentality. And, and I say that, that's a bad mentality for officials to have. It's a horrible mentality for players to have and for coaches to have Um, every night's a new night every night's a new slate and we've got to approach that as a yeah so what you know what I teed Johnny up last week Johnny's got a brand new slate starting today Steve teed me up last week this is a whole new game learn get better move on
0: Fantastic. I feel like I'm talking to a motivational speaker, Wayne.
1: Uh, I'm not a very good one because I ain't got a big house from that.
0: <laughs> hey, that puts the end of our third quarter, and we are going to head to the fourth quarter, and he's going to Wayne's going to field a, a bunch of variety of different questions. So uh, we'll head to the fourth quarter right after Matt Kearns and PQ2 LCC tell you this.
2: A ref. The fourth quarter is crunch time. With the outcome of the game and the balance, a Hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. Fourth quarter, variety
0: of questions. Uh, this is—I uh, always tell people—the fourth quarter, the post game, and the five quick decisions are really some of my favorite parts because of, simply because of the questions. But uh, so the game's tied at sixty. There's five seconds to go. Team A's got the ball in bounds underneath their own basket and has called a timeout. What are you and your partners going to be talking about at, during that timeout?
1: Well, I think the first thing we—you know—we we just got to realize the situations. You know, we, we've got to talk about what, uh, you know, if team A's up and he's got, and they've got the ball, you know, what are some possible things that they're going to be looking to do? Are they going to be looking to, to you know, run the clock and hold possession, thinking defense is going to have to foul? You know, we need to make sure we keep, we keep that in mind. If, is the defense going to be intentionally trying to foul? Um, where's the ball being taken out? What type of potential plays are they going to look to run there? We always have to talk about our responsibilities. We've always got to make sure somebody has the clock. Um, you know, yeah but we just basically got to try to run through everything is in the flow of the game that could possibly happen right there. We, we've all got to think as referees in football. What's our foul situation? Who's got four? Who's in the bonus? Who's in the double bonus? Cause we really got to make sure that we're going to be crisp on our communication. We got to make sure we're decisive on the administration, make sure how many timeouts each team has, make sure we're communicating with the coach coach. You've got two, he's got one coach you're out. He's got one. So we're knowing, uh, potentially if offense is up three, there's 45 seconds to go. They're trying to burn some clock. They get in trouble. We got to make sure somebody's looking for that coach. Is he wanting a timeout? If he's getting a timeout, then we got to make sure we've got the clock. Is that clock right? Is the clock right on the throw in?
0: When you were a coach, did you realize that we have all of this stuff that we have to pay attention to? I mean, is that anything that even crossed your mind uh, from a coaching level?
1: Well, you know what? That's that's one of the things where where coaching is easier because if you're a good coach, you have got to think about all these things too. Yeah, and you've got to have coaches with you. Uh, I mean, I, I can tell you this: I my uh, I, I took a sectional final loss because I I went to the grave with a uh, with fouls to give. Mm. You know that one, and that at the end of the day, that one comes back on me and. And that's been ten years ago, and that one still haunts me. Uh, but you know, all situations as coaches, you've got to know all the. You're in your best coaches or game managers,
0: yeah.
1: Just like your best officials are game managers. You know, decisions are great. Rule book knowledge is great. But probably the biggest aspect you can give any coach and any official there's two of them it sets all the best ones apart, and that is how they deal with people, and how they manage a game.
0: So in, in your uh, brief career, has there been anything that's happened to you that has been pretty scary on the floor? Um,
1: I have been involved in two grand mal concussions in basketball
0: oh.
1: and they are absolutely brutal to deal with. Uh, they're very, very scary. Of course, you're in close contact. You can see the facial expressions, mm-hmm. uh, the crowds right there and um Unfortunately, I've got to do that twice. I think, as, and again, as this comes back, coaches and officials, we, we've got to be the same. The first thing we've got to think of, first off, we, we've got medical, we should have medical personnel there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, first thing we've got to think of is not only that young man and his family or a young lady and her family, but the players that are there. Uh, I think as coaches and as officials, if it's something really serious, we need to get them away from the action when you get them, even if it's put them in the locker room so that they can't see what's happening. Uh, because especially with young people, and that's their friend, that's their teammate, um, even if that's opponent, there's, there's somebody they know, um, we don't want them watching that.
0: Right. So
1: I, I think that's the first thing. Get, get them away. Get everybody away. Let the officials, you know, the the, the medical personnel deal with the situation. Yeah. And staying calm is also very important in those situations.
0: Yeah, that was kind of uh, my next question, you know, either in that situation or, or the other situation that we presented to you with the game tied. Um, what kind of things do you do on the court to remain calm? Is there any spe- specific things you do? Do you talk to yourself? Do you – some people sing, some people uh, – tap their, uh, tap their legs, you know, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, what kind of things do you do on the floor to just kind of remain calm?
1: Well, you know, first off, I, I've, I've always been a person that I, I relish the big moments. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to coach in a 30 point blowout. It's easy to coach when you're getting blown out by 30 points because ain't nothing you tried going to work and nothing you're going to try is going to work. Um, <laughs> You know, officiating, it's sometimes very easy to officiate in those. I, I personally relish those. Uh, and the biggest thing is just try to stay focused, try to stay calm. Uh, and, and how I stay calm is that I just – I relish those moments. Yeah. I, I, I really look forward to them. And, um, you know, that that's why we do it. That's why we played. I mean, let, let's face it. That's why we – you know, we didn't play the game when we were young – to beat people by 35 points, I mean, that was like beating the, the the kids six years older from us down on the you know down on the blacktop or on the wiffle ball field, you know, court when they're you know they're they're younger than us and they're not able to play with us. Um, we relish the competition, and, and officiating is no different than that. I, I I used to tell my kids all the time, you know, we're going to challenge ourselves in the non-league schedule because we want to see how good we are we could easily go find people we can beat, but that that does nothing for us as an official i mean i nothing is more exciting than going out and having a game that every possession matters and and just like a coach i i, I can't tell you how many times i said a little silent prayer on the sideline that don't let me screw this one up because the kids are playing so hard as an official the same thing comes through my head i've got to be focused and be on my game in that type of situation because it's important to everybody involved.
0: So true. So true, Wayne. Nice comments. Uh, that's the end of our fourth quarter. We are headed to the post game, and the post game will be right back right after Matt Kearns tells you something about PQ2 LLC.
2: Hey, Ref good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials. And then call us at 330 888 9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call.
0: As we enter the post game, we talk about the brotherhood and the sisterhood of officiating, and that can be some of the best parts of of officiating. And um, I know, again, through football, you probably have experienced this over the years. Basketball, we experience the same thing. So talk a little bit about that brotherhood and sisterhood of officiating that you've been able to experience. And I'm going to have you try to focus on just basketball if you can, because that's that's what our podcast is about, uh, about basketball, even though it's probably a little bit tough uh, because you're, you're so involved in football. But talk a little bit about uh, that that special bond.
1: Well, I think, it, you know, I've been fortunate enough that, again, that a lot of the guys I've worked with have either been uh, – I've got a couple, couple young men that, that, you know, played for me that it, I've officiated with. And, you know, the riding the games together, the the, the camaraderie we have. Um, I know, like, my, my game last night worked with my referee in football. Uh, and we just have a good time. And, and stopping to, you know, if it's a weekend – uh, Non-COVID year, you can stop, have dinner after the game, just talk about, uh, you know, whatever, and then that's probably the the, the best relationships with that I have is, you know, we just we're just friends, and it keeps you loose. You know, you you talk about how you stay focused on things like that, uh, having those types of guys, having those types of moments where it it's all fun, and uh, you know, if it's all fun, then we're going to enjoy it. And if the ride there is an enjoyable time you know, you're, you're not dreading the ride home. That's an, you know, so that's an enjoyable time. Uh, that's why we do it. Uh, we do it for that. We do it to give back to the sport. We do it for the kids, which I, I know sometimes that may be cliche to people, but you know, that that's really why we do, it. we don't do it for the 65 or $70, uh, especially when you're my age. You know, you you do it for the relationships that you built, the bonds that you built. Uh, some of my best friends in life I've met through officiating mm-hmm. and coaching, and and I say the same thing when when I coach basketball. Uh, when I when I got out, I lost two of my assistants that were my best friends. I mean, they made going to practice every day fun because you don't have that adult conversation with the kids, or really, for the most part, the coaches. It's those guys you work with. I mean, they're your team. And that's the most rewarding part of officiating to me.
0: What's the best advice you ever received from a fellow official?
1: Let your mind digest what your eyes have seen. Best advice. Um, Don't be too quick. Bruce Maurer loves to say, when you think you're going slow, slow down. Um, to me, those embody what makes a good official. Don't be too quick. Like it or love it would be another one. You know, put it in those two hoppers. If we like it, is it good enough to call? Because if it's not, we better love it. Um, I'm really pretty simple on it when it comes to that type of stuff and have fun i mean that's the bit of, if, you, if you can't have fun doing it i used to and, and, and sometimes fun's what you make it to me funds pressure to me fun is a is an exciting game a good game and it's being with people that you want to be with
0: so as people heard i provided you with some questions beforehand but this one's not on it so we'll see how quickly you can think of I didn't put this in the quick decisions. I put this in the post game so we could talk about it a little bit. Um, as a former coach yourself, we can have some fun with technical files. So let's uh, talk about a technical file that you certainly deserved. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Um, Which one, how right? How much time do we have? <laughs> uh, let's see. Usually the ones I deserved, I said the magic word. Uh, I was pretty good about using the magic word quietly, but (laughs) but using the magic word for that. Um, I was also very good at being very sarcastic. There was one time, this is a girls basketball game, when, when I was first starting out on the girls' side, and we weren't real good yet, but I was told to stay in the coach's box. The action's all the way at the other end of the floor. And there's a violation or a foul called. I don't even remember which it is. And the ball's rolling all the way down the sideline, just parallel with the sideline, about six inches onto the floor. And I am squatted down in the front corner of the coach's box, and my head is facing to the left. And it watches that ball roll right across me all the way down to the other wall. And the official looks at me and says, Wayne, really? I raised my hands, and I said, you told me not to leave the coach's box. (laughs) And he whacked me.
0: (laughs) So, you 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 know,
1: know. (laughs) um, know, frustration was a big one with with me as a a coach with that. And and, and in all honesty, probably nine of the ten I ever got was from somebody that didn't want to talk to me, didn't want to at least humor my frustration with how bad I was coaching and how
0: bad my kids were. Well, that puts the end of our post game and uh, we will head to the five quick decisions. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, ref, PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Officials cite relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night, year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years.
0: Welcome back. We've got the five quick decisions. So the first Quick decision question will be uh, about feeding officials, and I always like to go to this one because sometimes we get fed after the games. What's some of the best food you've ever had?
1: Uh, you know, Waver- Waverly and uh, Bo Arnett always does things really, really good. But I- I'm not going to lie to you, the best food to ever get as an official is when I'm the tournament manager. <laughs> uh, I always make sure I-, I get my officials. They get a Donato's pizza, oh. and they get a dozen wings. And I always take the first slice of pizza and I always take the first wing just to make sure we got quality control. But these guys <laughs> that come to the Convocation Center from Toledo, from the Northeast the Northwest, the Southwest the Central, the East, you know, we, we give them a great gift every year. And I feed them really well because I know they're going back. They got a long way to go. It's, you know, they did the seven o'clock game on a Wednesday night, they got 250 miles to go. I always make sure I feed them and uh, try to give them good food and send them out of there happy
0: there is nothing better than a donato's pepperoni pizza i gotta tell you you know i wished we had one here in northwest ohio i think the closest one is in lima but um well that's that's, they
1: get they get donato's pepperoni pizza they get 12 wings they get the flavor of my choice because I'm going to have the first one of that. Uh, but no, this is, seriously, and, and and you know when I started football officiating and started playoffs, that's one thing. If I could ever say I had any disappointment in, and I, I looked at some sites and hosts, is unfortunately I judged them by the standards in which I treat basketball officials when they come to my place, and and anybody that's ever ever been to the convocation center. You know, again, we take real good care of them. You know, we 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 feed them really good. We make sure they got hot food and uh, cold water. We got apples, oranges, bananas in the locker room for them pregame. Uh, but I've got also great facilities in which I can host those guys in, and, and I've been very blessed with that.
0: Absolutely, it's a great place to work uh, uh, over there, and you do do a great job. So, uh, if there's one rule that you could change in high school basketball, what would it be?
1: You know, I. I I don't really. I don't really know. Um, I, I really. I mean, I, I, I. like the game how it is. I, I can tell you what rule I wouldn't change. Let's let's put this this way. Uh, what rule I would not change? I would not institute the shot clock in high school basketball. Yeah. Uh, first off, I think in many facilities, and I think with the level of officiating, and I, I'm not knocking officiating in Ohio high school, uh, but I work. And I've worked college basketball since it started. With replay, uh, the shot clock is an extra dynamic. Those guys spend a whole lot of time. It's and many of them, it's their jobs. It's what they do every year, and they can make enough money doing it every year at, at that level. Um, I think it would be really hard. I think it would degrade the style of play. I think it would make things the bigger, faster, stronger guy would be more dominant. I know I've seen over the years the the Berlin Highlands come in the sugar Creek Garways come in they're not the biggest the strongest the fastest but by golly they can handle the basketball and they can you know they, they can protect it and, and they can change the style of a game and control it without a shot clock so not to hijack your question that's a rule I would not change
0: yeah so what do you think is the most misunderstood rule from fans or coaches?
1: Over the back, baby. Over the back. <laughs> yeah, how many times you going to hear that one? Over the back. Uh, I did have, interestingly enough, last year I did have this. It was in a girls game. A girl puts up a three-pointer, and she air balls it. She gets her own rebound. The first half, the coach is screaming his head off. It's a travel. It's a travel. It's a travel. Calming down. Coach, we're almost at halftime. We'll show you this rule at halftime. Calm him down. He goes, I want to see it. Good. Coach, i going to show it to you at halftime. Get the rule book at halftime. Show it to him when we come out just to, you know, playstate him a little bit. So, And I get that. Coaches sometimes, especially the game wasn't going great for him. He gets that in his mind. So he wants to be on us because his misunderstanding of that. <laughs> and he's like, wow, I never knew that. I'll be, damn, that girl doesn't do it again. In the third quarter, she airballs it. She gets her own rebound. And one of their fathers is up there in the top row, which obviously got this from him in the first half, starts yelling travel. Coach turns around and says, it's not a travel. He done showed me the rules. And I thought that was pretty good stuff.
0: <laughs> okay, talk a little bit about, any technical files that you've given in your four-year career?
1: Well, I have given, I think, three to players, and uh, two of them were totally administrative. You know, slamming the ball down, it goes up and hits the rafters. I mean, that was pretty easy. One is throwing the ball against the back wall. Uh, I do pride myself, and I have never thrown a fan out in my, I think, 20 25 seasons, 24 seasons of uh, varsity sports, football, basketball, baseball, softball. Uh, but I have given one, and I've only given one technical foul to a coach, and that was an assistant coach. And he kept talking, I looked at him, and I said, Coach, are you the head coach? And he said, Nope. I said, Exactly. And he wanted to keep talking, and I whacked him.
0: And the reaction um, you know, the, the
1: funny thing with that, that he, he was really taken aback by that. His head coach, uh, understood it oh, good. and, uh, yeah, we didn't have any more. We didn't hear anything else from him. He didn't help us. And he didn't try to help us officiate any more in that game.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I want to thank Wayne Horsley for taking the time out of his schedule today to be part of the high school basketball referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Wayne, I'll tell you each one of these segments you have said some things that are really, uh, really good, some things to write down and, and keep. And I think it's going to be really a, a great uh, learning tool for officials. So I appreciate the time um, and, and everything you're able to provide for us uh, today.
1: Well, Mark, I appreciate you for doing this and your commitment to making high school fo- uh, basketball and football and every other sport you want to talk about even better. <laughs>
0: And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile. And God bless.